Hello, and thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland, the director of Kids Central TN. Racial injustice. Right now, our country appears to be on the edge of an awakening, one that centers around the racial injustices that our nation was built upon and continue to happen to this day. The recent Black Lives Matter rallies and marches have occurred in every single state, bringing thousands together from a diverse background here in Tennessee. Dozens of rallies have occurred from Memphis to Knoxville. But for change to truly happen, we must understand why. The tipping point occurred during the Memorial Day weekend after a series of racially driven events that spanned several weeks culminated in the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Since that day, the images on our devices and on the news have been an array of riots, protests, and marches. This can be a lot for anyone to ingest, especially kids and youth. Dr. Keisha Carroll is the Associate Professor of Pediatrics and the Director of Faculty Inclusion and Diversity for the Pediatric Office of Faculty Development. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. I'm so glad that you asked me to join you this for this very important conversation, first of all. Well, and thank you for agreeing to do it, because this is obviously not a comfortable conversation to have, but it's one that's needed. Can you talk a little bit about, Dr. Carroll, why this movement right now, why it feels different? I agree. This this feels so different. And as you mentioned, racism is ingrained in every, in every aspect of American society. So none of this is new. Um, we have these graphic images that are caught on video, but we realize that there are many injustices that are not. And in some cases, this is the tip of the iceberg. Um, for decades, you know, we've, we've seen these or we've heard about, you know, these killings of black Americans by the police or others. And although they're, they're typically was some type of outrage and collective mourning. And these acts actually led to some long-lasting movements, like the Black Lives Movement after the, um, the Trayvon Martin murder. But this does feel different. Um, as, a, as a part of it, um, we're, we are in the midst of a pandemic. And we're learning that black Americans are dying at twice the rate um, of other races, for example. And we know that this high death rate is likely due to um, structural racism, you know, factors that um, affect where people work, where they live, affect the the degree that they can get an education. So I think this is on um, people's minds as we're watching um, this um, play out in the midst of this pandemic. And really, it was just about six years ago when we saw the murder of Eric Garner, right, Um, caught on video pleading that he couldn't believe, that he could not breathe. And now we have this murder of George Floyd um, saying the same thing. So, but I agree, it feels different in terms of the breadth and the depth of the conversations that people are having across racial ethnic backgrounds. The um, 
the actions that institutions and organizations are um, involved in regarding taking a, a stance against racism and really leading these conversations across America about enough. You know, how can we um, begin to understand um, like all the wrongs that have been done in the name of racism? Um, how can we learn from this and how can we move forward? And I think many of us are hopeful that um, this time will be different. We're fearful that it won't, but um, I remember seeing a video of George Floyd's um, six-year-old daughter, Gianna, um, actually saying, Daddy changed the world. And we so hope that that's true. Yeah. I know this This only, not only does it feel different, and as you kind of touched on, Dr. Carroll, this is gaining traction among the communities that really never participated in a civil rights movement like this, mostly because, well, you know, out of sight, out of mind, or, you know, I, I don't have to necessarily deal with it because it doesn't impact me specifically. But now it feels different as, as we've kind of been talking about. It's the perfect storm. I think that's kind of culminated in this as well. As you mentioned, the pandemic is going on. Meanwhile, just week after week after story after story, and everyone's at home and they're consuming all of this information a lot more than probably they would have this time last year because we were not in a pandemic. Um, but I think you're right. I think this is absolutely the perfect storm. I think also through the conversations, Dr. Carroll, that I've been having with friends, I've learned that a lot of white parents are having these conversations about racism with their children, a lot of them for the very first time. And that can be a very uncomfortable conversation to have. And it also is associated with the feeling of guilt a lot for, for white families. Meanwhile, black parents have been having a different kind of conversation with their kids at the moment. And they also have always had to have like the talk with with their young black son specifically about this is what you do if you get pulled over. And, you know, every family of color has gone through this conversation. But can you talk a little bit about these dynamics and any advice that you have, Dr. Carroll, for parents who are looking to start a conversation about race or being anti-racist with their children? Yes, I think it's really important to approach these conversations really coming from a healthy place. So self-care is really important. I have to say that. We've been through a lot in our community, in our nation. If you think about specifically Middle, Middle Tennessee, in March we had the tornado. Then we have the pandemic. And now we have this series of census killings and we have people coming together and protesting this. Um, so take care of yourself right? First, that's really important. This is the time, although we are physically isolating still, we haven't really come off of, of our precautions during the pandemic, but this is really the time to connect with others, um, your family, your friends, by phone, by Zoom, kind of other appropriate means. Um, lean in on your support groups, 
um, whether they're social or religious groups, and find activities where you can um, reflect and unwind. So separate some from all of the, the from the news cycle, from the images that are that are everywhere, and whether it's walking, exercise, gardening. There, there people are doing a lot of different things during that time. Find that space that um, will help you heal, reflect, and to be able to talk to your children. Because in terms of creating a society that's just for a parent or caregiver, modeling and teaching your children, that's one of the most important things that you can do. And these are tough conversations, but these are tough situations that are centuries old. So there's not going to be an easy answer. And don't feel like you have to have everything right the first time. This is going to be a series of conversations. So I think it's really important to think about the age of your child when you're having these conversations. For our youngest preschoolers, um, say three or so, they're think or three or four they're starting to kind of understand racial differences and also even internalize how society may treat people differently because of their race however for our youngest kids i would really protect them from these images and you're um, talking like younger than three obviously or children like, yeah, go right. ahead <laughs> younger preschool gotcha um, okay uh, age yes even um even three-year-olds they can they can start to notice these differences but you don't have to have the same conversation with them that you would have with a six-year-old or an 11 year old for example um, for that age group it's really modeling is really important um They'll notice difference, and sometimes it may be an awkward conversation, but don't discourage that. Encourage them asking questions. Um, respond to them honestly. You can point out the differences that are within your own family, and it could be on differences in eye color or skin color or hair color, and just help them realize that this is, this is normal. You mentioned as well, as far as like, in regards to children, and I'm so glad you kind of brought that up because that was going to be my next question. It was like, can any child begin learning about racism? But um, and so thank you for kind of delicately talking about that. When would you say, because I can't, when I think about my own personal education, I can't go back and be like, I was this old when I began to learn about it because I was learning about it through family stories beforehand. For the families who who won't be having these conversations until either they're watching something on the news or maybe there's something happening in the classroom. Well, and let me just get your take on that too, Dr. Carroll. I mean, do you think this might, after all this is done... Do you think that curriculum and our education system might actually change and we actually learn American history the way it, it was? That is our hope. But, um, and that should certainly be what people actually work for. Yeah. Whether that will happen, um, as with so many things that we want to happen, um, we, you know, I'm. I can't speak to that. It, it definitely should. But in terms of some of the things that parents can do, modeling, having a diverse group of friends that they're exposed to, um, 
in their home. And these are things that people can start now, even if they haven't been doing it since the child was born, in terms of the games, the toys, the books that they read, the different activities, just making sure that they're diverse. And when you see instances of injustice, you know, when you have a six-year-old, for example, you can talk about these types of issues. You can talk about discrimination in terms of people being treated differently um, or injustice in terms of people not being treated fairly. And you can talk about it in um, language that they understand. You can draw from experiences that they may have in their own lives with their remember the time no one would let you come in and play that game so you for younger kids they'll they'll they will relate to um, kind of teaching like that and it's so incredibly important to model that behavior because kids they will pay more attention to actually what you do Right than what you say in terms of if you are saying one thing but you're acting a, a different way or in a real life situation if you react in a different way that confirms to um, stereotypes or discrimination and and when you see your children actually um, being empathetic being kind um, showing those qualities that you want to um, what you know want to encourage be sure to to give them positive reinforcement and praise them yeah absolutely let me ask you this dr carol would you advise if these conversations are not coming up because the children are going to their parents and asking questions or are, are um, curious because of everything in the, that's going on, would you advise parents to begin those conversations with their children or should they wait for, those, for their kids to come to them? I think um, it's important for parents to start initially initiating these conversations. And this is not necessarily watching the news with them, but this is asking them what they've heard because they're going to be exposed likely to some aspect of what's going on. It may be a conversation that they've overheard. It may see it may be something that they have um, heard their friends talk about. So um, you want the source of information to be you as much as you want to protect them. Um, because while you're, also, while you're having these conversations, you can also get a sense of how much information you need to give them, right? You can ask them what they've heard. You can ask them how they feel about things. And then you can have these conversations. And there are tools that you can use. You know, there are a number of um, books that you can use. Um, out there. One I brought today is actually this book called Something Happened in Our Town, um, a child story about racial injustice, which is a book that is geared um, towards uh, teaching kids around four to eight years of age about racial injustice. And it actually deals with an instance uh, where a black person was killed by the police in their town. And it actually follows uh, a white family and a black family and talking to their children. And so it doesn't deny it or shy away, but it acknowledges that this happened, this was wrong. However, 
not everyone is like this. And most importantly, you want to protect them and help ensure that they feel loved and safe. Wow. The book you mentioned, um, I'm assuming it was not published this year. No. As we (laughs) talked about earlier. It's been happening. It's been happening. And so people have had the vision to actually create these tools. Wow. Wow. And it's such a timely book within the current events that are happening right now. Can you talk a little bit again about what the book was called and who wrote it in case our listeners may be more interested in trying to find something for them like that? Sure. It's called Something Happened in Our Town, A Child's Story About Racial Injustice. And it was written by Marianne Solano, Marietta Collins, and Anne Hazards. And this is um, one of the the rec- one of the books is actually mentioned um, in, in another website, the AAP or the American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, they have um, several very helpful online um, little editorials about different topics. And one is talking to your children about racism. And so um, that's typically like healthychildren.org, for example, and you can find um, a number of resources there. Well said. Is there anything as far as other books? I see you have another book underneath it. I'm just curious. Oh, well, this is, so this book is different. So this is actually called Undefeated, and this is actually a book I happen to have just because it um, it's won several awards, and it really is designed to um, help um, teach people or teach African American children about their history, right? And this book in particular is geared towards children who are around age six to nine. And that's a part of this, um, as we're talking to kids about racism, we have to help them. Um, uh, have a sense of their own cultural pride. And this is not in a negative way, right? This is not about othering others. This is not about demeaning others. This is about learning your history, your traditions, helping children understand that you have so much to be proud of and you have made tremendous contributions to every aspect of American history. You won't see that on television, necessarily, although programming is getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better, better, Dr. Carroll. You won't necessarily learn about it in school. Um, The billboards that you see may not reinforce that, but that doesn't mean that it's true. The reality is you have an incredibly rich history. And so while you're teaching tolerance and um, the importance of respecting others and you know people really are I mean we focus on hair color and skin tone but we're we're so similar in so many ways but we have to face the reality that um, society doesn't treat us the same way and so that's why we have to um, think about these issues and so if you kind of build that strength in them, so when they go out to the world that you prepared them for, this will just help them counter that, you know, if they know their history and they know that they're loved and then they know that they're beautiful and they're talented and they're exactly who they should be as they are. Confidence goes a lot way, Dr. Carroll, and it starts at home. It, it really does. I, it, I cannot 
emphasize that enough. You're exactly right. And I'd also like to to touch on something that you mentioned a little while ago, but I want to just reiterate it because it was so well said that when you parents and guardians, when you go into these conversations or you initiate these conversations with the kids or youth in your life, it's important to come from a place of healthy mindset. Because what kind of parent who's angry at the world, who's upset about everything that's going on, who's having their own fights in their head, but they're out loud saying things and their young children are there listening to all of it. Um, we have to be aware of that. You know, it's something I really didn't think about either. Cause you know, a lot of people can say they're not very happy right now. <laughs> right. And they have good reason not to be. So it's not to dull those, um, kind of feelings and emotions because, um, this is outrageous. And so people should be outraged. Um, however, um, thinking of, we still have to function, right? Um, and thinking about how can we take care of ourselves and how can we use um, these emotions to move society forward, right? Um, and we've been talking about this you know, a lot at work and with our friends because a lot of people wanna know what can I do? And so the first thing that I say, um, particularly to you know my white allies who are very interested and engaged, is listen, right? Because um, I think a lot of times people have felt that when issues of racial injustice have come up or discrimination have come up um, and they share it with others, they're not necessarily believed. And so. Even in my personal life, I've noticed that people are listening more. Um, They're not as defensive right away. Um, They're willing to engage in conversations. And we have to to educate ourselves. We have to, this is not a once a year implicit bias training um, um, plan. This is really learning about American history because it's not taught. Um, And so being intentional about kind of learning, reflecting, listening, that's so incredibly important. And then you can think about, okay, what can I do? What one thing can I do differently um, to fight racism? How can I contribute for society? And you can include your children in age-appropriate ways in terms of what you do. Because although you, this is tough for all of us, right? So you don't want to expose them to the trauma that they can't handle, but you can have these conversations. You, If you are going to um, support a cause, you can let them know. You can have them write cards. You can read books. You can have them join in in, in age-appropriate ways, but it's understandable that everyone is upset, but ultimately what we want is to make this world a place um, where, our ki- where our children don't have to read books about something happened in our town because we have to explain the latest um, violent killing by a, a black person on ca- on camera. Mm. I also think, you know, and, and thank you for speaking to that so eloquently, Dr. Carroll. Um, this is this is a, an awakening for our nation at the moment. Um, and it's it's been amazing to me because I've traveled pretty much all over the state and in almost every single county. And I know there are some small towns in this in Tennessee. 
I also know those same small towns are having their own protests. And that's something I've never seen before. And not only, of course, we've, we all know what's kind of happening in the United States, but to see the amount of support that's being done globally, um, I mean, literally around the world, all in support of Black Lives Matter. It's, it's at this point, it's kind of like if people aren't listening, they're never going to hear it. And people are listening. It's amazing. I mean, just the fact that you can say Black Lives Matter and um, not necessarily get a great deal of pushback. I mean, that's totally new. And so, as I said earlier, many of us, our greatest fear is that this is going to fade, right? And um, But we can keep it going, right? Because it's, it's the right thing to do. And we know that nothing's going to change if we keep the, the status quo. So I am so encouraged by what I see, by, uh, by this multiracial uh, group of people who are engaged, who are thinking differently, who really are saying we, we need to dismantle this. I'm really encouraged by that. You mentioned a little while ago, Dr. Carroll, in regards to your white allies, and this is also kind of in in connection with older student, not students, well, I guess kids and youth, older youth as well, Um, especially with the white children, youth, kids, allies. Those are the kind of conversations and the atmospheres where they're needed most when they're with their loved ones or their family members or those of no color around them. And they hear those um, statements of injustice or statements of racism or something that maybe has a veil of racism over it. Do you think now or do you kind of want to encourage those people to kind of speak up at that moment? This is that moment where you can really at least in your private circles, because that's where all these conversations happen. And then, it, and then you know, people walk away and they're like, well, you know, uh, I didn't like what I heard, but well, it's not, it doesn't have to do with me. What, what do you say to those people? I say be brave. Use your voice. I mean, I think one of the most powerful tools that we have is our, vo- our voice, our experience, um, you know, our agency. So use your voice and... Depending on the situation, um, you might say, you know, you might use a different tool. Uh, It's not necessarily always, that was a really racist thing to say. I can't believe you just said that. You could just say, you could question it. You can say, really? Hmm, that hasn't been my experience. Why would you say that? You could just, or you know, you could say, "I don't, I don't agree with you." Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you. There are nuanced ways to ex- express your um, that you're uncomfortable, or to express your discomfort. Um, so I would say, be brave and do that because people are watching, right? These are, um, you know, what we do really has generational effects. And and I don't think we really think about that often enough. Um, You know, when we deny people opportunities, you're not denying that person opportunity. You're potentially affecting generations. And and racism, everyone loses. We may not realize it. Um, So I would say this is the time. Be brave. And they're actually... There are play. I mean, there are online um, um, kind of trainings that you can do around, um, you know, what we call, you know, 
either bystander training, that's where it, you see someone um, particularly being kind of vic victimized or affected, how you can do it, and or other trainings that can help you um, struggle with how do you approach these difficult situations when you don't really know what to say, but you really want to say something. Mm -hmm. And there may have been an instance last week or a month ago or two years ago when you didn't speak up, but that can change today. You can think about it. You can kind of rehearse and give it a try. It, it's, it takes a lot of bravery to it do does. that. You're right. It does. Be brave. But um, if we really want to be anti-racist, if we really want to affect change, we can't do business as, as usual. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Dr. Carroll. My final question that I just have for you, I know as you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier as well, but there's so many people right now who are trying to educate themselves, kind of realizing, well, I wasn't taught anything at school. <laughs> I was like, well, we didn't get to civil rights because our curriculum ran out or you know, time ran out. We just didn't get to it. Um, I actually had someone said, I didn't even learn about slavery until I read the Addie books from the American Girl. And I was like, well, you know, that hit me because I, I love Addie. I grew up with Addie, but I was like, that's how she learned about slavery in the U.S. was through those books. Um, do you have any advice if there are adults um, out there listening to this or like, I, I know I need to do better to educate myself? What would you say? Where would you point them in the direction to go? So you're right. There are a number of resources. One tool that is new that um, I really like is the, um, so there's the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C., and they just released this fantastic tool. It's a, it's a website portal, it's an online portal, um, and there's this, actually a section for teachers and there's a section for caregivers and parents, um, and it's called Talking About Race. And so um, there are different modules um, that cover topics such as bias, being anti-racist, community building, self-care, race and identity, and those are just a few. And so importantly, they go, I mean, they, it's, it's an educational tool, right? So even though it's for parents, it's, it's, it teaches you, this is how race was constructed in America, right? It's not a biological construct. It's a social construct. Um, and so there are readings and there are um, videos that you can watch. And then there are reflection pieces as well. And even for um, their tips for parents to engage their children. So I think that's a great resource. And there are a number of books. Um, I was reading how um, uh, uh, several of the books in the top 10, um, such as How to Be an Anti-Racist and, and White Fragility, those, even though White Fragility has been out for a while, many people um, are reading that. I've had several colleagues um, who are reading that. And there are actually um, uh, websites that have um, like 21 day racial equity challenges. So there, there are a list of different um, readings and podcasts that you can go through. Um, so one, in, in terms of a couple of books, these are a bit longer. One book that I actually just read was The Warmth of Other Sons okay. by Isabel Wilkerson. And this um, uh, is about the great migration of millions of blacks to different parts of the country, and it actually follows the um, it, 
the lives of um, three actual individuals. One went to the West Coast, West Coast. One went to the Midwest, and then one actually ended up on the East Coast. And it's interesting, heartbreaking, because it talks about um, like the social and political environment of the times and the and the injustice that was going on, as it talks about. Um, the, the specific injustices that these indi- individuals faced and um, continue to face even though they migrated as well. One book that I think is interesting, sort of being from Tennessee, is The Children by um, David Halberstam. That's an older book, but it's, um, it's an account of our students at local HBCUs in the 60s who really um, kind of kind of led the movement around um, the, you know, they were leaders in the civil rights movement and they led desegregation, for example, in, in Nashville. So, so there, there are many out there, but what I've been um, talking to, you know, my colleagues and even myself, I mean, we're going to do, um, uh, we're, we, we're figuring out how we can continue to learn together and continuously. And our model is if we, even if we did something once a week in 2021, can you imagine how much we've learned? That's very true. That's very true. So this was not created in a week or two. Um, And so this, it's not gonna, it's not an easy solution, but I think if we talk to each other educate ourselves, learn about the systems that are in place that um, have led to so many of the inequities that we see, and you know, think about what we can do in our communities, um, I think there's reason to be hopeful. We could be turning a new leaf. It seems like right yes. now we're, we're, we're just putting our fingers on it to... to <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm hopeful, right? You have to be hopeful. I mean, we want this to be a a better place for our children, right? I mean, of course, we want to improve the condition of those of us who are here now. We can do amazing work, but we have to work together. Very well said. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Carroll. Is there anything else that I did not ask you that you wanted to mention or make sure our listeners are aware of? No, again, thank you for having me. These are tough conversations, but um, be brave. Know that you are your um, the biggest influencers of, of your young children, um, modeling the behavior that you want them to see, um, or they, modeling the behavior that you want them to exhibit. Um, just really appreciating diversity, you know, in all of its beauty and acknowledging that and really working together for sustained change. Well, Sam, thank you so much, Dr. Carroll. And thank you to our listeners. This has been another episode of Roots and Wings. I'm Jonquil Newland. <laughs>